Hello and welcome to Coco Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogadi. I'm a women's healthcare specialist. On this podcast, we talk about all the issues relating to maternal health, things that can help a pregnant woman in and around pregnancy achieve a good pregnancy outcome. Today, I'm fortunate to have with me today my very good friend from years back, artist Yvonne Gabriel. Thank you, Yvonne, for coming to this podcast. Thanks for inviting me, Bola. It's my pleasure. Thank you. We are in this beautiful facility in Forsyth, Georgia, and 90 to 95% of all our artwork came from Miss Yvonne Gabriel. Some of the artwork include life-size paintings, and we have always, always received a lot of good compliments from people from all over the world when they look at the quality of the artwork and the detail of the work done in the paintings. We are so fortunate to have Miss Yvonne Gabriel be the artist of the foundation here in Forsyth, Georgia. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for coming. You are so welcome. So I just want to say that just knowing you from way back, you're a mom, you're a mother, you have two children. Right. Uh, Nadia is going to be a pediatric dentist. She's doing her residency at Yale right, right now. Right. And Sammy is going to be an orthopedic surgeon, and he is in University of California, San Diego right now. Right. I am so proud of them. I know them personally. I'm so proud of your family. You're also a wife. Your husband is a physician, and you are an adjunct professor of art at the Mercer University School of Arts. Correct. How did you juggle all of this? This was just being a mom and, you know, all the hats that you wear. How did you, growing up in the Netherlands, beautiful, beautiful country, I've been there before, and, you know, living in middle Georgia and doing all of this. Can you please give us an insight into your beautiful life? Yes, sure. And we'll get to that. But first, I want to give you a little present, Vola. No! Oh, I love presents. Yes. And uh, by the way, I think you did that introduction beautifully. I Thank mean, you. you have like an NPR type of voice. Just <laughs> Thank you. So natural. So these are muscadines. I love muscadines. You love muscadines? Yes. Yeah, I was wondering I, if you knew I them. I love muscadines. I just got some. They come in red or green. Red or green, but mine grow in red. Wow. From your garden? Yes. I got a big vine growing over the gazebo. And they are raining down on me right now. So I just give them to everybody I know. Wow. Thank you so much. You're I welcome. love muscadines. They must be rich in vitamin C. I and think so too. Yes. Thank you so much. I, I hope it so prevents Alzheimer's and all of those stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. Thank you so much. You're I really welcome. appreciate anything from you. You know that. Good. You I know? hope you share them with your mom. Oh, so, sorry, I will. Sh- I, I'll think about sharing it with anybody <laughs> at all. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> so, can you tell us about just your? You yeah. Know, so, yeah. I grew up in the Netherlands, which is a wonderful country for a kid to grow up. You have lots of freedom. You run around on your bicycle, and you know, we we grew up without television. So, you know, automatically you look you look for creativity. When it rains outside, you have a piece of paper and some coloring pencils, some crayons, and you keep yourself busy. But Dutch people are known for having the traveling bug, so I did the same thing. I mean, I did my foundational work in the arts in the Netherlands, but my family thought I should also have a practical education, so I double majored in art and nursing, so I have my RN degree, 
And then I wasn't too sure about a career in the arts as well myself. So when I was about to art, enter the art academy, I saw an advertisement for an uh, airline stewardess in the Middle East in Bahrain. I'm like, ooh, that sounds like an adventure. <laughs> Maybe I should do that, that for is a few so years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, let me just send them a letter and see what happens, you know. And so six months later, I was on my way to the Middle East and I lived in Bahrain for a year in the Arabian Gulf and got to see some parts of Africa. And uh, of course, the Middle East, the Far East, some of Europe. I've lived in the Middle Eastern culture for a year and it was amazing. I would have, I mean, I'm glad I did it. It derailed my artistic career a little bit, but hey. And then I came to the United States and, you know, I met Sabri. We got married, had two children. Then I did a little bit of a couple of subjects at uh, Mercer University to align my degrees so that I could get my master's in fine art painting at uh, SCAD in Atlanta and Savannah. Wow, this is... And then you raised two children and... You know, thank God they're doing so well now. I know. Well, you and me both, right? We go way back. I remember, Bola was at my uh, baby shower. I didn't know anybody here. <laughs> so these <laughs> residents were kind enough. I didn't know anybody. The residents were kind Plus, we couldn't even call home because it cost like $10 a minute to call home, remember? Yes. We had to write letters. Yes. So I didn't know anybody. And they were kind enough to organize a baby shower for me. And Bola actually taught me how to uh, tie a baby on my back. <laughs> African style. <laughs> wow. This is, you remember that? I remember. Ah. Wow. This is, I mean, thank God for good times. Thank I God. know. And for our ability and, yes. you know, yes. good health good to be health. able to, to deal with all the novelty. Because, you know, your husband's not American either. Mine is not. So it was all new. Oh, yes. Right? Yes. Bringing, yes. raising the children, children. choosing schools, yeah. talking about sophomore and yeah. Sadie Hawkins. Oh. We have no clue what any of that means. <laughs> I remember. I remember. So yeah, it was yes. quite an adventure. Quite wow, an adventure wow. to. Uh, wow! Thank God. This is. I don't want to cry, but these relationships are so meaningful. I know, right? You know, you know being friends for over twenty years. You know, this is amazing. So well, and your yeah. kids have done so well as well. Ah, so it's you. it's definitely, you know, you come to a different country, and yeah. if it's the wrong decision, if your kids don't turn out well, you will regret that the rest of your right. life. So thank God, it's yes. it's an adventure, kind of impulsively started on my side, but thank God, it all hmm. ended well. well yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Now, Yvonne, you've also been a model before. You you tall person, beautiful by any standards. Did you want to talk about your mom? Well, that was the shortest career in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Because you need more than 5'10 then to be a good model. You need to be extremely extrovert. And I may appear some days like that, but that's not me at all. I was not comfortable with that at all. I'm not comfortable when people take pictures of me. So that was very short-lived and... It's very weird when people only judge you on your exterior. I wasn't used to that. And that was a very weird realization that, wow, this is just all about how I look. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking or what I'm saying. It's just, I wasn't comfortable with that. So, mm-hmm. Well, you'll always be that model to me. Always, always, <sighs> always. Wow. But I want to talk about, you've done so much in this community. And I want to start with that. There's a Daybreak Center 
Can you tell us about your involvement in the Daybreak Center? Sure. Daybreak is a day shelter for the homeless people in uh, Macon. They can go there to stay out of the rain or out of the sun. They cannot spend the night there, but, you know, it gets very hot. And so the people can just spend some time there. They can get their laundry done there. They can use the computer there. There is now some medical care, some social care. Sister Teresa runs that place like a tight ship. Like the same Sister Teresa or? Sorry, Sister Teresa. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So when Sister Teresa calls, I answer, you know, because I was raised by nuns in the etc. But it's a wonderful facility. A lot of people volunteer there and... I got involved because, you know, I'd I'd like to volunteer, be part of my community. But soon, instead of serving coffee and stuff, I just found that my art was a better way of communicating with the residents because I found that when I was drawing their portraits, which eventually is what I started to do, it was like an even exchange. It wasn't like me handing out something to them which I wasn't comfortable doing, and then they have to be, like, thankful. I wasn't comfortable with that. But when I sat down and I asked them to draw their portrait, I felt like they were giving something to me, and I gave something to them because I would give them the portrait after the session. It was like an even exchange. And even though we did not really say much because they have to sit still, they can't move their face talking or communicating with me or smiling or they have to sit really still and I have to stare at them. So there is some very indirect communication through art. But after a session like that for half an hour, it's like you've shared something, not with words, but there was some communication. We looked each other in the eye and it was just something there that because I'm not in a position to ask those people, what's your problem and how are you going to solve it? That's not my I have no experience with that. I cannot do that. I, I'm not comfortable doing that. But they sat as a model for me, and I gave them the picture, and it was always a beautiful experience, and I always felt like we had a very meaningful interaction through that process. Now, especially for the female residents of the daybreak, I mean, was there any other benefits? Were their moods elevated? What did the painting due to their psyche or were they happier did were they able to talk amongst each other that this is what we did did it help did it give a sense of community even within this kind of group of people i've done like one group session where i was teaching them you know how to do a little bit of painting and for sure that is always useful and we'll talk about that a little bit more but you know i think the interaction of me drawing a portrait of the person there is always an opportunity to say like you have incredibly beautiful eyes or you know the curve of your lips is so beautiful or you know your eyebrows the arc of it there's always an opportunity to make a compliment here and there and to value the person to value the experience so yeah most definitely that was a positive interaction that way. Wow. You know, just moving, you actually have a book of your painting collections for Daybreak. Can, do you want to tell us some about that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I was drawing the portraits over there and it inspired me to do a series of paintings that are based on the people that the general public tries to avoid. You know, like if you see a homeless person Coming to your car, you're like, oh gosh, light, turn green, turn green. You try not to look at them because, you know, they got a sign. You don't want to read the sign. You don't want to get involved. So, you know, this population is not used to people looking at them. They are used to not being seen. 
people don't want to see them. And so I wanted to make them visible through my series of painting. I just, it's loosely based on some of the people that I used to visit there. Other inspiration came from a website where there were mugshots and, you know, that context makes them look very negative. And of course, you know, they've done things that I'm sure there needs to be some repercussion for it, but that's not my place to say. But by taking these portraits out of that negative context and putting them in the context of a painting, you know, that I try to make as presentable as possible with a classical background and everything... By taking this person out of that negative context and putting them in a different context, all of a sudden people relate to them completely differently. And so that's what I try to do in that series of painting, just to take people out of a negative context and put them in a positive context as because, you know, normally we honor presidents, we honor people with a portrait, right? So that's the people who get, even in art history, the kings and the religious, the clergy, they were the ones who got honored with a portrait, but never the pauper, never the homeless person. So that was the thought process behind that series. And so once they were completed, you know, I felt compelled to donate them to Daybreak because they have a beautiful facility and it would just be perfect over there and the people can relate to them. And you know, when they have a donor coming to the facility, it's a good entry point for a conversation about this subject. And the potential donor sees that the community is involved in their facility with their cause. They see that the artists in the community are willing to donate their work, that the people from Macon are, you know, willing to give their time, you know, whatever it is, they are willing to be involved in that project. And it makes them more willing to get involved. So... It's been a wonderful experience. You know, with these things, I'm the one who gets, you know, the benefit of, you know, like what we're talking about now. But it has been always me who benefited more from that interaction, you know, from the recognition I got from those series of paintings, from the good feelings that I had after drawing a homeless person and giving them their picture and their joy and because the joy of seeing their own portraits and I'm going to send it to my mom. And I've always left Daybreak just feeling so amazing. And it's like, you know, I got so much more out of this interaction than what I gave, you know. So that's a little bit about Daybreak. Wonderful place. Mother Teresa, I love you. You're the best. Well, thank you. And you're such a very humble person. You've painted presidents of universities. You've painted very high-ranking people and just to know that you've also painted people like in the eyes of the world that are not so high ranking, that you've just done this amazing work all over, joyfully, happily. I mean, that just blows my mind. And just thank you for your work for the Daybreak Center. Thank you so much. Oh, I mean, my pleasure. this is just incredible because just what you said, you know, putting their faces on a portrait, on a picture, and they wanting to even send it to somebody else. I look at me, this is how I look. And we're talking about grown-ups and adults. Thank you for your work with that. Oh, my pleasure. I just want to make sure I say that. Oh, thank you, Paula. Thank, thank you. you. When we talk about just looking at women and pregnancy and childbirth, I had, you know, a lot of the students working with me, Miss Erin Fincher, do some research, yes. you know, as to, you know, just, you know, what, what could there be the benefit for art? And I had another student working with me, Miss Elijah Hawkins, just talking about, it's not just the painting, 
or the colors. It's other things like the photography, you know, that women want in pregnancy. They want to memorialize that period of their life. And they actually do at times casts of their pregnant bodies and save it. Or they might do serial casts for different pregnancies just to see how you, child, this is how you change my body, or this is how your brother changed my body. I mean, so can you tell us how could your work help just a woman in this phase of her life? Yeah, I mean, it's funny how that has all changed, right, Paula? Because when we were pregnant, we would wear something, a big tent. Because <laughs> back then we tried to hide it. That's right. <laughs> and now it's the fashion to wear something super tight. tight. That's and right. we cast and I, have like right. Demi Moore pictures. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. casts yeah. and yeah. photo shoots and everything. So, yeah. yes, that, has, that, yeah, that has wasn't changed. a thing then. No, photo shoots. No, yeah. no, yeah. no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, that has changed a lot. I think that in pregnancy, when you. Engage in art. I think when you are pregnant, a lot of things come at you, you know, so many changes, so much information. You have to deal with your own hormonal changes. You have to deal with a changing body. You have to look at your future. You look, start looking at your partner different. Like, is he going to be a good father? Is he going to be a good provider? Do we have a good house? Do we have enough finances? So it can come with a lot of joy, but also with a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, anxiety. And you get a lot of information, a lot of verbal information that you have to process, medical information that you may not always be able to understand in in the moment when it's being given to you. You read as many books as you can about it, and it's all this written and verbal information. And I think art can give you a good break in that it can distract you. For example, when I was pregnant, I had the worst nausea. You know, they have these paper mill factories in in make With the smell. (laughs) Right? The smell just got me going. And the more I thought about nausea, you probably know this, the more you start thinking about nausea in your pregnancy, the worse it gets. And the only thing that would distract me from it is just, you know, not like making any big piece of art or something that was meant for fame or the Louvre by no means. It's just getting a piece of paper and start doodling, just start making marks, you know, just even in a meditative way, just repetitive marks, you know, that maybe slowly can turn into a pattern. And then, you know, it just takes on its own life from there and before you know it you've been distracted for an hour and you didn't think about your swollen legs or the crib that needs to be put together or your stretch marks you're just like you know you've been just away for a little short period of time you've just been taken away from that and art really has the power to do that wow wow so you know apart from just doodling with a piece of paper and pencil you could also add a splash of color or you could actually draw something alone or in a community with a group of women. Oh, community is the best, yes. especially if you would have like a group of pregnant women together and they can, you know, share their experiences. And, you know, we don't always have to talk. Talking is a tricky thing. You know, it is our first means of communication. Art is a form of communication. Words are our first form of communication, but... As you know, the most dangerous weapon 
is the tongue, yeah. right? And so for us, you know, we have 3,000 thoughts a day, something like that. I may be wrong about that, but about that many. And for the thought to be processed to where it comes out in an acceptable form that doesn't offend anybody or that represents what you are thinking is very tricky. Very tricky. I may say something, you may not hear it the way I meant it. And so, you know, if we are in a group and we have to talk, we can have even anxiety about it. A lot of people have anxiety about talking in a group. But if you do a common activity such as art, there is no judgment. There's no judgment about what you're going to paint. Nobody's going to say that's unacceptable. I'm going to reject you because of what you paint. There's no way. Everybody's going to say, oh, that's great. And this is so fun. And I like what you did. And, you know, this is a more welcoming means of communication than is the verbal means of communication. Verbal communication is there's a lot of traps there, a lot of danger there. But art is very welcoming. It's accepting. And it's, it's safe. It's a safe medium of communication. And so if you put a group of pregnant women together, they can focus on their art, but you will see that gradually through commenting on each other's work. It's a nice introduction that leads the next time we meet to other questions, other communications, other conversations, exchange of information. And this is how community builds. Wow, wow. You know, you did talk about, you know, anxiety and just from statistics, about one in five pregnant women experience depressive symptoms and one in four pregnant women experience anxiety symptoms. Of course. And, you know, the most common mental health issue is anxiety, like anxiety related to pregnancy specific fears. Like, you know, will my baby do well? Will my baby have a congenital abnormality? Will I be okay? Like you said, are my finances good? And different studies have shown how, I believe what you described is art therapy, how it can affect prenatal anxiety. So there are so many studies, just for the record, there's a Swan and Foster study, Foster and Dossie study, in which they talk about art, that it, it prompts women to be able to identify emotions that they might not be able to previously lay hands on. I think it's in that process of just like you said, it can be meditative. Right. So it helps them identify emotions and it can help prepare for childbirth. Another Swedish study showed that art therapy actually did reduce anxiety in pregnant women. So, you know, if I were to get a group of pregnant women together and I was going to start some kind of art classes with them, what are some of the basics that you would want them to just, is it just a pencil and paper and do whatever? Or, okay, these are colors, you know, do this within these lines, you know, like I guess in your day-to-day -day classes, what would you start a beginner with? Well, I think that if you want to have a successful group that way, there needs to be repetition. There needs to be the knowledge that we are going to meet every week and these women I am going to form a bond with because I think a lot of, you know, art is done together in a group. And so art provides the relief from the anxiety, but also the sense of community that you develop together because I think a lot of women suffer in loneliness and, you know, the lack of community here. And 
they need to be together. People need to be together so they can do something together and they can start forming bonds and relay these fears to one another. And the other said, oh, I have that too. And, you know, but don't worry about it because, you know, just go to Dr. Bola Sugati. She will take care of it. <laughs> you know, but this is how we exchange resources. It builds a sense of community. So there has to be repetition. There has to be somebody who says, you know, is willing just to set up that program and give these women an opportunity to form a community with each other. So there are different forms of art. There's watercolor. There's um, yeah. So you can have a stick and sand, and you can draw a picture in the sand. You know, art started like forty thousand years ago in the caves in France, and people just took a piece of clay and drew a bison on the inside of the cave. You know, it doesn't take much. I mean, when Sabi and I first started out and I was pregnant, I didn't have many materials. But, you know, for example, I would go out with a pair of scissors and I'd cut some limbs off, some plants and some trees. Maybe it was apartment landscaping. I'm not sure if that was allowed. <laughs> but, you know, I formed some little, you know, flower arrangement and that made me happy. You know, some people make jewelry, some people just, it doesn't take much. It doesn't require a lot of materials. You know, some people sell Christmas ornaments. I mean, it all, everybody has a different talent and, you know, you just need to dabble around in it and see what you like, which direction you want to pursue it. But what you were talking about with the group first, yeah, just some paper, some color, some very basic material, really that will get it started. There has also been art expression in the form of graffiti. Oh. And, and I think it's beautiful. You know, every time I, and I might be in the minority in my thoughts, but every time I see graffiti, I take pictures because I, I say, wow, this is a different form of art expression. At times, it could be a nuisance in, in the places they were placed. <laughs> But what is your, I mean, what, how did graffiti art develop and how is it different from, you know, traditional just putting paper on ink and stuff like that? You know, it goes back to the cave dwellers, what I was talking about. We have the fear of the white wall that is built into us. When we see a white wall, we want to put something on there. And so in urban settings, there's a lot of people who do not have access to materials, to art materials. It's expensive. You know, maybe there's no time in the family to provide those type of activities. So we will find some surface to express ourselves onto. And so graffiti is an urban expression of what what is going on in, in that particular environment. And it's raw and it's bold and it's loud and it's, at least that's how I see it. It's, you know, you sit in your train going from your safe place A to safe place B and you're passing through this area and you see like these loud expressions like, hey, we are here. I want you to know that we are here. That's how I see it. And I'm so glad you brought up graffiti because, you know, Jean-Michel Basquiat is one of my very favorite African-American artists. And he came from the world of graffiti in the 80s. And uh, his work is so raw. And if you talk about, you know, expression of fear, expression of anxiety, it forms like, I mean, he is so free in expressing that, that it, it allows people to express their fear. So it's always a very good starting ground to start that discussion because, you know, we all have fear. Fear is like the worst thing we have in our lives. Everybody has fears and, you know, we just differ in degrees and how we, how well we hide it. 
Well, Jean-Michel Basquiat did not hide it at all. He was just, he just let it all hang out. And his pictures are just screaming existential fear and, you know, whatever was going on in his life. When you see his pictures, it's so easy to get people to start talking about their fears. You know, I let my students at Mercer write an essay about his work because a lot of times they say, oh, my three-year-old could do that. No, your three-year-old cannot do that, you know? And so I asked them to look at all his work and I'm like, how does this make you feel? And make a picture yourself in Basquiat style and how does that whole process, what does that do to you? And so, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's really one of my very favorite artists. He was able to express his emotions in in ways that many of us choose not to do. And so it was very important. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs>